Welcome to Hunt Lore. My name is David Hefner. Today I will be talking to David Reimer from Locals Films. He has a very nice way, elegant way of filmmaking. He's on YouTube. You can search up Locals Films there. He also has a website, localfilms.com, and you can see what he's all about. And he's on Instagram as well, of course, like most of us these days. His way of documenting his hunts is just so beautiful. Uh, There's an introspective element to it. There's a subsistence element to it. He lived in Alaska, a remote community, a remote native community up there for 10 years. And he really immersed himself in the culture and the way of living up there. And so he really got to have a true perspective on it. And it kind of changed his outlook on how he viewed hunting. He now lives in Iowa and is raising a young family there. And it was a re- just a really good conversation. It was refreshing um, to kind of get his view on hunting and how his time up in Alaska really changed his perspective on it. He shot brown bear up there. He shot quite a few moose and he trapped up there as well. So you're, you're, you guys are going to want to listen to this one. I guess I say that with everything, but this was a very unique um, conversation and one we'll be having again with David. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. My name is David Hepner, and this is the Hunt Lord Podcast, where we will spark our imaginations and pay tribute to the time-honored tradition of hunting by sharing our stories of the hunt. Hunt Lore is brought to you by Black Bear Wear, bear hunting apparel for bear hunters and everyone else. Get it, wear it, share it. Hello, Dave. Hey, how's it going? Good. We're just getting everything well, I'm ready. set up. I'm ready to rock and roll whenever you are. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. That's uh, yep. That's good. How have you been doing? Man, I'm just living the dream. I can't complain. Yeah, I guess I should introduce you uh, to everyone here and welcome you to the Hunt Lore podcast, the newest hunting podcast on uh, the airwaves right here. This is Dave Reimer. He's from Iowa and Alaska. From my understanding, you guys, you and your wife and your kids split time between Iowa and Alaska. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's, that's, uh, I guess, a long-winded story, but hopefully we can talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, we landed and, and live in both places and, uh, you know, some of the bright points about that for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So just to give the listeners a little bit of background, I found your YouTube channel and being kind of like, I guess, uh, your YouTube channel is Locals Films for everyone out there. Amazing content. I found it. I was like, wow, this guy, he really understands film work for one. And you're just trying to convey, I guess, kind yeah, of, like- uh, that's one of those things that I've been obviously, uh, very passionate about and, and it's a way a revenue stream, obviously. And, and that's great. But, um, no, it's totally a passion of mine. And to be able to, um, you know, I always tell people, I, I always wanted, uh, you know, write a history book, but I'm no good at that. So hopefully, um, in some ways, <laughs> I, uh, you know, can use film as a, as a, as a format to record some of the things that I like to, or stories, you know, and I think stories are really important, you know, and, uh, and that's a big deal. So film is a way of, of, uh, you know, getting involved in people's lives and in, in different ways. And it's kind of cool. You know, you, you learn a lot. Oh, absolutely. And just kind of what's your style of film work? Like I could explain it to people, but I think they'd rather hear you explain it. 
Um, yeah, certainly. Uh, so one of the things that I'm trying to do and trying to evolve at is, uh, you know, just, just being authentic, um, and, and really prioritizing stories most importantly, you know, so that, um, you know, people get something from it. I think that's one of the things, uh, social media gets a pretty uh, bad rap, but at the end of the day, I, I think that it's, it's a good platform if, if you're willing to put some work into, you know, what you're passionate about and, um, utilize, uh, utilize it in a good way. And so I try to be creative. I try to use the natural light, natural environment, the best that I can. Um, and I really believe in this idea of form and acting content, you know, utilizing what you see in the world to try to tell a story or tell a metaphor or, you know, try to extract something from there. And that's the thing I think a lot of outdoors people like about hunting and fishing is that, you know, um, often your mind drifts to, you know, some pretty miraculous places and, um, you know, I try to articulate that the best I can, you know, the, every time I'm in some place, you know, um, you know, try to capture that, you know, and I think that's good. Absolutely. And it really does come across because being like another, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a filmmaker. I'm maybe like a poor man's locals films, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it takes a lot of effort knowing how much effort it does to take to put a, together a film or a video like you're spending how much time on these things? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's uh yeah, that's, you nailed it. I think, um, if you want to be good at it, at least, and this is all my opinion, of course. And, um, I'm certainly trying to get better every single time. And I always feel like I'm a year behind on YouTube. You know, I've got always stuff in the works, but, um, yeah, it, it's absolutely, uh, getting up before everybody at camp, uh, you know, staying up late, uh, when everybody's sleeping, you know, whether you're offloading information or you're trying to capture the Milky Way in a certain way, um, you're super detail oriented. But I, I think um, you nailed it. it. You absolutely have to be ahead of everybody. You have to know where they're going to walk or what the light's going to look like. And um, I think it's all pivotal, pivotal to uh, making films. But I think that's the that's the beauty of it. Is is I love hunting. I always have, and it's just been a part of my life. But it's almost like when I'm out there, I get a chance to, you know, hunt that story down just as much as you're hunting that particular animal you're pursuing. And I love those two things. You know, it's like an evolution for me, at least that it's added something to my life. Um, and to something that I love, uh, it's, it's almost hard to explain, you know, and it's addictive and, um, I want to be good at it, you know, and I, I love that challenge, you know? Yeah, I think hunting is one of the hardest things to actually film and can kind of convey what it means to us individually. I was thinking about yeah. that today. I was watching some of your videos or films over again just before this to kind of prepare. And it's like, you do a great job. But I also understand that it is so difficult to kind of capture what we feel. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're obviously doing uh, the best you can and you're doing great at it. And obviously it touched them heartstrings with me, you know, seeing all that silky smooth camera work. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and the, the beauty of it is, is that it's, uh, I always feel like there's just so much left out in the wilderness to, uh, to talk about, you know, um, I get one chance at a 20 minute, uh, video, uh, and I get so excited about trying to tell that story again, you know, on another hunt to try to do better, you know, um, cause I think the world needs to hear a little bit about that from outdoorsmen, you know, people who enjoy the outdoors, you know, I think it's important, um, and I, uh, you know, the beautiful thing is I get a lot of people who aren't necessarily into hunting, I think, uh, that watch the film and go, I, I totally thought you were going to, you know, put something out that was a lot different. 
Um, but I love to take, you know, and, um, and that's important to me is to try to bring people into something that I love and you love. And, um, you know, it really explain why, why we're out there. Cause I think that people for eons, um, have been captivated by a lot of the things that, you know, we, uh, we love too, you know? Absolutely. And, um, I, Sort of in a, I would say, you know, um, I was sitting there looking at the grill the other day and I realized, you know, it's funny. Um, I think people to a certain degree, it's in our DNA to be addicted to the fire. You know, uh, mm. you turn on the flames and it's funny. All the men are standing over the flames, you know, and I was like, you know, it's, it's almost like it's in your DNA. I mean, we do the same thing at camp, you, you know, when you're out moose hunting or whatever you're doing, uh, you do the same thing when you're grilling a piece of meat, maybe even in a city. So I think there's some things that are important that uh, I, don't, I don't want people to forget about, you know, that connection that we have to fire and to nature, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like in bear camp, my son's been joining me since he's been my oldest since he's been seven and uh-huh. he could just stay up for hours watching the fire and he just says that too he's like the fire is so captivating (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely so yeah we got right into the filmmaking stuff i guess that's what happens Mm -hmm. when you get kind of two uh film nuts there talking a little bit but uh can you just tell everyone kind of how you got into hunting was it kind of basically a general generational thing where you were born into it Mm -hmm. or what's your story yeah so um so I think it's pretty interesting and unique. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, I was probably two years old when my dad was out taking me musky fishing and uh, duck hunting and deer hunting. And, um, you know, absolutely um, live that life, you know, um, 100%. And uh, that's kind of what we did. That's how I, I bonded with my uncles and my friends. And that's how a lot of my relationships uh, started. And... Um, you know, I, I really saw life through that lens, you know, the out, working hard and uh, I loved all the elements, you know, uh, we we lived pretty simple when I grew up and hunting was just a way of, you know, feeding your family. But it was also just, a, you know, that's what we talked about during Christmas. And it's uh, still to this day, you know, your grandpa and your uncles, it's how you bond, you know, and and um, I guess you get older, you realize how important that is, you know, it's a vehicle in a lot of ways to pass down stories. Um, and, and later on, and we can talk about this too. That's something that I really appreciated about living in a native village for 10 years, you know, uh, those stories that bonded people together, you know, it's cross-cultural and, um, and, I, and, but yeah, so I really was, uh, introduced to it at a really young age. Didn't really know a whole lot, uh, a di- different lifestyle anyway. And, um, I just, as I grew up, I tried to make as many choices to try to live out, uh, hunting and fishing in, you know, make it a lifestyle, you know what I mean? And, and a pursuit, you know, and so that's how the film work came about. Um, and that's how Alaska would eventually come about. Um, uh, because it was just something that I was very passionate about and cared a lot about. And I, I, I receive a lot from, you know, and I, I realized that I see the world and a lot of, a lot of my calm, a lot of my stories, a lot of the things that I connect with my kids come from hunting, you know, the lessons that I've learned, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah, for sure. So it, it was, it sounds like it was a generational thing where you would go up to deer camp and uncles yep. and grand, yep. grandfathers would be there and your, your old man there as well. Yeah. And so like, um, I, I grew up in Wisconsin and, um, you know, we always joke about it at deer camp. Uh, it's, it's a weekend before Thanksgiving. So it puts you in November there, the first or second week of November. And 
And, uh, you know, they, they say that there's enough uh, guys in Orange in Wisconsin, to, to when they're out hunting on that weekend, it's the ninth largest standing army in the world. Now, I don't quote me on that, <laughs> but it's just, uh, but it's just, a, it's a, it's a big deal, you know, and, you know, that was the only time that uh, my father would let me out of school, you know, on a Friday. And it was the time that small towns would have little traffic jams, you know, and um, it, it, it's uh, something that I never wanted to miss. Uh, it was just uh, it was powerful, you know, and um, it's where everybody got together and the boys could be boys and we'd goof around a lot. But we'd also, you know, we'd have meaningful times, too, you know, and, and that was uh, so, yeah, absolutely generational. And you'd have three generations there and you'd. You'd hear the stories a hundred times, but they'd never get old that time of year, you know, and they still aren't old, you know, and that's, that's important, I think. Uh, and I, I can't wait for my son to be a part of that. And uh, that's one of the things that I was really excited about coming back and moving to Iowa about was that, you know, I could be back uh, for that weekend, you know, with grandpa now and, and my son and my daughter and, you know, my family to be a part of that. It was that powerful, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. So could you kind of tell us, uh, your first deer hunt or like, well, I guess your first successful yeah. harvest. Yeah. So, um, I always, uh, you know, I've, I've, I guess I've done a lot of hunting. I'm, uh, 36 years old and, um, you know, I, for most people you start hunting around 12 years old, you know, like officially probably. But, uh, I always say, you know, uh, my first few years of hunting, I always been like the worst hunter ever. yeah uh just really bad i mean it it comes from you know like trapping i really really wanted to trap wolves in alaska i always felt like i you know eventually i would i'd I'd be okay at it but man just talk about being the worst but uh yeah i took um definitely got into bow season with deer uh you know that was the thing that i was most excited about certainly and uh, uh i can tell you i think i shot at three deer in the same day and ended up getting a small buck was my first first deer uh but you know you you learn so much uh early on you know in those early years it's just like man you make so many mistakes but you're growing so fast too but i just i can still remember the way the clover felt where the deer fell and my dad happened to be watching from an upstairs window in the house with binoculars he was 500 yards away, and it was just a, it was a, it was an amazing thing to be honest. The sun was setting; I still remember it perfectly. Uh, you could, you could smell the cold air, you know, settling in in the low pocket out in front of that clover field. And uh, yeah, he he came down, and you know, it, it was almost like I'd won the lottery. You know, I mean, it was uh, euphoric, really. And it, it, to be honest, and I, I don't know if there's been any other hunts. And like I said, I've I've done quite a few things, but that first successful harvest is just. Uh, it's hard to describe, you know, it really is. I think maybe in a lot of ways, I'm still always kind of chasing that, that first hunt, you know, and how that felt, you know, to do it on your own, to get your small little bow, you know, you're pulling back 32 pounds or something like that. And you got all the aluminum arrows and, um, three of them were stuck in the dirt or two of them were stuck in the dirt and you finally got (laughs) one deer. Uh, pretty incredible. That is that exactly. (laughs) And I, I, yeah, I think you're right. We do as hunters, like I'm 38, so I've been doing it uh, since I've been mm-hmm. 17, um, and it's like you're. I think we are always chasing kind of that feeling, you know. Yeah. Like the world yeah. is really big when you're young and you're first out there. Oh, incredible! To, Absolutely, and that's why. Absolutely, I, yeah. So exact. That's why I've, I've started kind of the podcast too. Like I want to hear people's hunting stories, especially their mm-hmm. first kind of early years, because that brings me back. You know. To, yeah. Well. <laughs> I think it's so important because I think that, you know, there's an evolution to hunting, you know, I mean, um, certainly I, I, 
I'm, you know, you, I can see it in my life. You know, there, there, there's, there's so many layers to what I, it, it's hard to, you know, and I didn't think about this much until you, you said that, but it's kind of like you start off just, just wanting to be a part of that culture, wanting to be a part and to do it yourself. You know, it was such a big deal to gut your own deer yourself, at least for me. Um, to be autonomous. And then, and then slowly you go through that, you know, you go through the prog, the, the process of wanting to see something more mature, you know, uh, and maybe you get a, at least for me, you get a chance then to take it to another level. You know, I hunted the big woods of, uh, you know, Northern Wisconsin where, you know, yet again, then I was just trying to see a deer yet again was a big deal, you know, and then taking it to another level to Alaska. But, there's so many layers to hunting and I think every one of them is just amazing. And it's a lot of fun to think about, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> I can't sum it up any better, better than that. So were you 12 when you took uh, your first year with a bow then or were you? Yeah. So, so 12 was an amazing year. I know that, um, that was a year for the first ducks, you know, you think about it, you know, the first ducks, the first Turkey, the first deer, um, you know, my, I, I, I did set lines on the river. Um, that was my first year of getting up and putting in the rowboat along the river, looking for catfish at 12 years old, getting up at 4am. Uh, my old man, he's a, uh, early riser. So I had to take after him, you know, he's sort of, I appreciate that now. I still tend to be, a, uh, an early riser now because of that. But, um, boy, it was an explosion of like, dude, I got to do all that stuff myself. Everything was so, uh, like I said, the best way to explain it is it's just euphoric when you were doing it yourself, you know, you're out there, you got your own rubber boots that, you know, you got from Walmart or whatever. And, uh, you just felt like, you know, every corner, uh, and that, and that leads me into Alaska, but every corner was so new, you know, and so unbelievably exciting. And, and, um, I've got a film coming out kind of where I take uh, my honey whitetail film I've been working on now. It's as close as I have come to, to a documentary, uh, I went back 20 years and trying to build a story on what it took to get my first really big whitetail, you know, and it, it's sort of like Alaska was that same thing for me. It was very euphoric, you know, traveling there, everything, every tree was new, every corner was new, you know, going through Canada for the first time. I couldn't even believe it. You know, it was like I was in a foreign country. I remember that being just euphoric, you know, uh, going through all the provinces, you know, so, uh, that was crazy. Uh, you know, and, but, but yeah, um, so I was 12 and it was an explosion of like doing it yourself. Um, really great years, you know, and then, and then obviously I had a group of friends that were very much into that too. So we were able to start telling stories and we separated each other kind of a little bit from high school a little bit. You know, we were that group wearing flannels and, uh, you know, old ball, greasy ball caps kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it, beautiful time of life, certainly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You got that right. I think we're, like I said earlier, just always trying to capture that again somehow, whether it's through, you know, maybe going to new places or taking yeah. somebody new out, you know, something like yep. that. Uh, yeah, there is a way, but I don't think we'll ever be able to replicate it exactly. And that's okay. No, but I I do think you're hitting on that. And I, that was kind of that last film. Uh, one of the films I put out last year was taking one of my buddies from high school up to Alaska, you know, moose hunting and I totally agree with you. When you take somebody that's new or you can live through that a little bit and, um, yeah, it's definitely powerful, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, um, then, you know, you're hunting whitetails with your buddies back in Wisconsin mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now you must've had this 
like you touched on it, this desire to experiencing something new, like going to Alaska, right? So yeah. So what, what kind so, of, yeah, drove you to uh, want to go to Alaska? Uh, yeah. A little bit of the story. It, I went essentially, uh, I had a hard time getting into college. Uh, so I went to LA, uh, downtown LA, uh, believe it or not. And it seems like, well, what in the world, you know, for something I'd love to do. But, uh, I really found, I went downtown LA, uh, worked with, uh, I, I read books to kids and, uh, you know, gave water out to kids and stuff like that. Um, downtown LA. And I worked with, uh, convicts that were trying to be rehabilitating, you know, they just got out of prison and, um, they basically were, it was a step to get to, uh, out of their parole or whatever. Um, but it, it was kind of a really big stepping stone when I was 18 because I just kind of realized, you know, a lot of those guys uh, had a completely different life than I had. And when I was 18, I realized, uh, you know, how lucky I was to have the outdoors, you know, that kind of freedom. You know, L.A. was a place where all I could see was concrete, you know, and um, and it was a different different environment. But out of, out of that environment, um, I realized that, you know, that the, the kind of uh, beauty we have, whether it's public land or the kind of, if you got private land or, you know, that, that kind of, I, cause I didn't really realize it when you're, when you're 12 years old, you, you kind of take things for granted at that time, you know, especially when you're 18, you can be, the, you can be pretty cocky at times, you know, you don't really always realize what you have in front of you. And, uh, I went to LA, realized, you know, man, I've got some amazing parents with amazing opportunities to hunt. Uh, I've got some cool buddies. Uh, and it, it, then I went to LA or I went to Hawaii after that. I watched, uh, basically failed out of college, but I got uh, the filming bug because I spent a lot of time uh, with two dudes that were from Long Beach. I surfed for uh, basically nine months and I watched a lot of these filmers just doing their thing with these surf films. And I was like, man, if I could just like make hunting films like these surf films. Like, where would I have to go? You know, like, what, how could I take this to another level? And that's kind of where I started thinking about, all right, I'm going to come back to Wisconsin and I'm going to get my degree. And then it was like, man, I want to go to a village in Alaska. I don't want to just go to a single place. I want to go to a place that, like, no one's going to go. And I want to learn the art of film. I want to, you know, and I tend to be a pretty serious dude, a little hardcore, a little stupid at times too, but that's what I wanted. And, and that's kind of how Alaska developed. It was like, all right, I want to, I want to, I want to take this film. I want to learn everything about it. And then I want to go hunt uh, things that I never did. And I thought that, you know, that was a great place to, to start learning film. And I was terrible at making films at the beginning, like the worst. But uh, Alaska is a, a pretty incredible place because the moment that I landed on a runway uh, in a village, so 350 miles uh, northwest of Fairbanks, I was right under the Arctic Circle. I basically lived there for 11 months at a time, only grocery shop twice a year. Um, I was fully indoctrinated into a different lifestyle, and that's kind of where my whole, you know, my, let's just say my, my adulthood began, you know. So and, what, yeah, with that village, um, yeah. how did you, like, what kind of ethnic group is this? Is this, uh, like, how did you get hooked up with these people to go to this so village? So I, I'm a teacher. Uh, that's what I went to school for. That's what I do now. Um, and do my film business. I think teaching, uh, sometimes gets a bad rap, but I think, I think it's the coolest job on earth because what it can do for you is it can put you into places that a lot of 
people can't necessarily just pick and choose. It puts you in a lot of places like small towns that sometimes can be, you know, hard to get a job, right? You know, but you know, the hunting's really great, but they don't have industry or they don't have this or that. But teaching is one of those things where, man, small towns are great. So, um, yeah, that's where I started uh, my teaching career. Uh, and it was uh, basically at the at Alaska Athabascan people and uh, the native people there. You know, they're an Indian group. They're not Eskimo. So the interior of Alaska is Athabascan. Most people always just kind of get that mixed up, but they're very nomadic. Um, and um, I lived right off a river, obviously, and um, in the interior. Yeah, and lived that for 10 years. And, um, you know, one of the, the beauty of that was that I met people just as I had with the surfing community. Uh, I met some of the most incredible uh, woodsmen. I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, people who live their life in the woods. And it just accelerated my learning uh, curve, you know? I mean, they were unbelievable to me. They were my heroes, you know? And uh, it took a little bit to integrate with the culture. We didn't have, you know, internet. We didn't have, I mean, we have very limited internet. We didn't have cell phones. Um, you know, but I wanted to embrace that lifestyle. And, I, and I'm glad I did because it, it changed my life. Um, the, the guys that, I, that eventually would take me under their wing, the native guys, uh, changed my life. You know, it's hard to describe what they really, in a lot of ways, they became, you know, uh, they, they had so many incredible stories. I wanted, I wanted a piece of that. You know, I wanted, I wanted to live like that. I, I, I was entrenched by it. Like the surfing stories were amazing with the elders, you know, getting out and, uh, hitting big waves. But when I, when I found that there was a group of native people that were like, they could tell stories about grizzlies. They could tell stories about caribou. They could tell I wanted that. And it was, I just fell in love with that, you know, and I was so lucky to have a couple individuals just teach me, you know, um, everything that they knew. I became a better trapper, a better hunter, you know, more respectful towards the animals. You know, I was so green at 18, 19, 20, when I was 21 and 22, when I moved to the, uh, the village, it was just incredible, man. I mean, it changed my life. It really did. Still has to this day, you know? Well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because through your videos, I want, or films, I wanted to ask you, like, are you a subsistence hunter? Because that's kind yeah, of, the, so that's the tone. That's the message that comes across. So this makes complete sense. Yeah. So, uh, that's exactly what we did, uh, in Alaska. I, I believe, uh, if you're a hundred miles off the road, you know, uh, you can participate in subsistence hunting and, and so, yeah, absolutely. So I ran, you know. And I, I don't want to, you know, and it's a very, I'm very proud of the fact that like Native people all, taught me a different way of thinking about uh, animals. And I think it was, uh, I needed that because I, it was one of those things like they were so respectful. Like it was never, it was never about the size of anything. It was about just, just having, and they would always talk about if you had luck, you know, if you had luck, did you have luck? Did you have luck? Um, it was more about having luck, you know, because uh, having something to eat, you know, uh, respecting the animals. It was just, and I, I fell in love with that. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I I learned to set up, you know, fish nets during the summer, uh, cut ice, and have, you know, put winter nets up, trap beavers and wolves, and uh, man, hunt caribou, and and uh, you know, just just moose and. It just went on and on, and it, it, but I learned it through a native perspective, and I'm, I, you know, it, it's really, it was really a really amazing experience, you know. 
Yeah, it sure. Sounds so totally like subsistence. That. Yeah, the ducks in the in the spring. You know, it was important. You know, like typically you didn't shoot the first one that you would see. You would let the other one pass. You know, and then you would take the other ones because the other the first one was always so strong. You know, it made, it led all the other ones back. You know, and I I really appreciated that kind of respect towards animals. And I think sometimes you know our culture needs to hear a little bit more of that. You know. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, hearing that, it's like that is major respect and understanding the animals and conservation too, right there. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it's amazing when you're, when you're, and I'm not going to say, you know, they, they have, they're like when, when I was there, we're, we're caught between two worlds, you know, I mean, there's the advancing world and then there's the native world. And I, in a lot of ways, I, um, really appreciate, um, so, the fact that you wouldn't always name certain animals, you wouldn't even say the name or you wouldn't say, well, you know, um, I caught that animal. You know what I mean? Because you didn't, you didn't have anything to do with that animal presenting itself to you. You, you had luck and it presented itself to you. You, you know, I mean, it was a different way of thinking about things. And, um, I, I now coming back to the lower 48 here, I, um, I think that's a, that's an important thing, you know. Now uh, I happen to harvest a, my first really big buck this last year, but it's just like, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a respect thing, you know. It wasn't it wasn't gloating over it, or it was just like, you know, this animal presented itself, and you appreciate the meat, you know, the things that you eat uh, so much more, and you realize that 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 meat that energy is within your family, you know, and it, and and, and I appreciated that a lot. I re, I really did. It was a wonderful uh, change of pace from what I think I was getting into when I was about 20, you know? Yeah. I think uh, the hunting community needs to hear this and kind of maybe change well, a, a little bit of how we think about hunting. So much of it was based in humility, you know, and respect and honor. And, um, nobody ever asked me how big my moose was, you know? And I, the first, I remember the first moose I got, I was waiting for people, you know, just to be like hunting camp. Well, how big was it? You know, but people didn't ask. They said, Oh, you had luck. Good. You know? Um, you know, they were more concerned about, all right, did you make sure you, did you take the belly fat? You know, did you, did you do that? You know, did you, um, are you smoking it properly? You know, uh, you know, those things that I, that I thought I was like, wow, this is, uh, I never thought about that. You had a, a group of people for a thousand years that, uh, you know, or whatever it was that were nomadic. I mean, they had a lineage of people who starved to death at times, you know, they were tough people and, and through their, you know, lineage or through their stories, they, they honor, you know, some of those, uh, like having that meat on their table or just having the moose, you know, uh, present themselves and having that luck. It, it, you know, I, I really fell in love with that. Well, I'm following in love with it right now, just hearing about that. And so I'm kind of, <laughs> seriously, I'm kind of convicted yeah. with like how, okay, I need to change my mentality. I'm, I'm going on a big moose hunt. Uh, I've mentioned that on the podcast here a couple times and it's like, yeah. okay, I've been on five flying moose hunts and I haven't, well, this will be the, the fifth or the sixth and I haven't uh -huh. shot a moose yet with my bow. And it's like, okay, if a small yeah. one presents itself on day one, do I take it? And well, I think I have yeah. my answer. I have my answer right now. So it's. Well, and, and I, I, I always, you know, like in that case, like I always like appreciate the native point of view is that you never were stressed out about it because you don't control it. You know what I mean? I think that that's the difference between the culture that I grew up in and their culture is that you don't, you don't have control over these factors. And so I always felt like the one thing that I really appreciate about all, like, I'm going to call them my mentors, or, you know, my fathers, whatever you want to call them that taught me was just like, dude, you got to chill out because you don't, you don't have control over that. You don't, 
you know, you you don't you don't have a say in that, you know. And I always felt like there was a lot of calm in that, a lot of peace in that, you know. That like it'll it'll present itself, and when you have that luck, you know, you're you're lucky to have that. And and I always was like, you know, it took so much of that anxiety of trying to get the biggest thing or the the best thing, or I just you know what I mean. It faded out of my life, and I was always like. Man, you know, I had some wonderful moose, and don't get me wrong, I mean, Boone and Crockett, I got some of that, but I was just like, you know, it didn't really matter, you know, that because that's not what I was necessarily chasing. I was appreciative of what presented itself, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I'm thankful for that point of view. Yeah, absolutely. That is <laughs> very good. Uh, so they were pretty welcoming of you then. Uh, were they welcoming well, of you right off the hop, or did it take think, a little while? I think, I mean, I think this this is the story. I... um you know, when we're talking about specifically, you know, our situation, I think, uh, you know, and, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm only sharing my opinion on this, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I felt bad as I got to know Native people because uh, there's, there's a lot that they are, in my opinion, when it comes to the outdoors, some of the strongest, uh, most incredible hunters there are. I love their stories. I love who they are. I love what they are. I will love what they stand for. You know, I love, I love the community. You know, like for example, this wasn't right away, but uh, you know, as I got more ingrained in the culture, one of the things that happened over time is that I got accepted into a bear party. A bear party is when the elders have a great harvest of bears. Um, and one particular year, uh, basically what had happened is that we had no berries for the bears. So the bears would all start to eat grass along our river, you know, a lot like what you would see in Southeast Alaska, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't typically happen. So you would drive every, I don't know, about every mile. One day I counted 17 black bears wow. because they didn't have the berries that they typically had around August. Uh, around August is typically when I would hunt bears as well as spring, but, uh, August is when they're more in their natural state. A lot of native people don't like spring bear necessarily because, uh, they're, they're skinny, uh, but they like the blueberry saturated, you know, fat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an important thing. Um, but we had a year where the harvest was incredible. Uh, we, I would go on a ride every night and see black bears, um, and, uh, and they had never seen anything like that. I don't know if it's climate. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't, but I, but they had bear parties, uh, but bear parties were only for the men and they would only essentially invite individuals who, you know, the, the leaders or the men of the, but uh, of the, I guess the tribe, you know, and uh, they would have this. So I got invited to one, uh, it was out in the woods. There was no time when it necessarily sat. You didn't know anything about it, but the, the elders would bear, uh, boil bear meat all day, and you would take part in the harvest during the winter uh, to celebrate some of that you know, uh, yeah. luck that you'd had. But, I mean, so eventually I would get fully accepted. But I, I'm going to say they're very tough people. Um, they don't always get the best version of every of, of our culture, you know, in a lot of ways. And I, I felt like it was like when I stayed there and I lived that lifestyle and I just shut my mouth and I didn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I wanted their culture. I think they saw that. And then I had kids, right. And I didn't leave. 
and I didn't leave and I didn't leave and others did and others did and I didn't leave. And, and it was when I had my kids, I felt like they were like, man, this guy's crazy, dude. He's not leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't uh, talkative, you know, I just listened, you know, cause so much of the Athabascan culture is about observation and mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, like, for example, a lot of the, the old timers, they didn't get to go out bear hunting until they could clearly, you know, separate the, the joints of the, the bear paw, you know, yeah. and they would work on that, you know, learn how to actually cut and separate the joints and not saw at the joints, you know, in, in the paws, but mm-hmm. cut them properly, you know, and you weren't even allowed to go out until you were able to do that. So yeah. I, I, I did all of that, you know, and I, I think that, you know, that, that helped. Right. And then all of a sudden I realized, you know, you don't realize it like immediately, but you realize that you're part of that culture, you know, and you're, and you're taking part. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, it's not a thing to talk about. For example, you don't talk about trapping. Like no, no one is supposed to tell you how to trap. You go out there and you do it. So they are very discreet about that. But I learned to, but eventually they would give you hints, you know, which I didn't have before. And eventually some, uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing about trapping was that like, let's put it 360 degrees, right? There's a 360 degree radius around the village and, and there's traditional trapping lines. Well, eventually, a, you know, an individual, a native guy gave me his trap line to trap, you know, wow. uh, which is a, which is a huge deal. Uh, so I took over his trap line, which, um, you know, very respectful. That's uh, you know, those are things that I'm most proud of in my life. You know, it's not necessarily my films or it's, it's not uh, how big of a moose I got or, or uh, you know, a brown bear. Or, I did a lot of cool things, but it was just those things that meant so much to me because that was in the darkness, you know, of winter, you know, that was like, man, I could hang my hat on that, you know, that he's like, hey, go out and do this, you know, because I mean, there's hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of years of, you know, history behind that, you know, and, and for me to have that small little section was incredible, you know, so. Yeah. No kidding. But you earn it. You earn it. You earn it. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of chores. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and they laughed at me a lot. And, uh, you know, I always felt like you kind of got to be kind of halfway crazy as a, as a white dude. And, 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 uh, but you got to be respectful and you got to be, you know, you just gotta, you gotta pay your dues. You gotta earn it. And, uh, you know, and, uh, not admit that you know everything. So that's what I did. Yeah. Like, like you said earlier, uh, being humble, you know, um, yeah. with, that, with that. And that's maybe what's lacking a little bit in our culture this day and age. Um, so that's good, good for me to hear. And I think good for everyone else to hear as well. But I mean, I, I also want to say, I mean, the, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not trying to cause a rift between two cultures or anything like that. It's just, th- those are the things that I really appreciated because oftentimes I would either go on a hunting trip, you know, or go here or there and, you know, there was a lot of people come up from the lower 48, you know, and they would have it completely different. They were very loud, different mentality. And, and most of my native buddies also were guides too. So I would help set up camp, you know, and it was amazing just how loud they were, you know, and just how, you know, it's just a different mentality. And for me, I just really appreciated just the, the, the humility of it, you know, and uh, that was just my take, you know. No, I think it's good. I think we can learn from each other's cultures as well. Not that we have to fully yeah. adopt uh, either yeah. one or the other, yeah. Yeah. you know, maybe take the things that we feel are the best, but it's just a good reminder to maybe ha- be hum- humble, have some humility, uh, not always about the big buck or the big bear or moose, but like you said, yeah. there is a luck factor involved. Sure, you can learn the habits of the animals and uh, timing and all that, um, but 
I think you're, yeah. on to, I think you're onto something there. I think it's pretty special actually. No. And I think, I think you, you said it. I think it's, it, it's blending, taking the goods of both and putting them together. And I think you, you know, and for whatever that means, but I think that for me, that was a really beautiful thing, you know, and it, and it did change my life and, and I'll uh, make sure to, I'll always make sure to pass that down to my son, you know, some of the things I learned, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess uh, kind of the equivalent of that in this, in our kind of culture, because Canadian and U.S. culture is very similar. The hunting cultures, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not many differences, maybe a bit, but not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. the, like what we call out here is the meat hunter, you know, like yeah. maybe that yeah. would be more kind of like the culture that you were experiencing just a little bit and how like the trophy guys kind of look down on the meat guys. Oh, you shot a two by two, like a yeah. pork one, right? yeah. Something you know, like and that. I never want to say, you know, I, I mean, I guess where I'm at in life is that absolutely pursue what you want to pursue. Just just make sure that, you know, um, you're never looking down on anybody else for what they're trying to pursue. Because, because you know, we were talking earlier about a 12-year-old's version of what hunting looks like is not this maybe the same as mine. Well, it doesn't mean it's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, if he harvests a spike, whitetail, or, you know, gets his first grouse, whatever. I mean, that, I, you know, that's important. I think that's important in the process, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's my take. No, I, I agree with that uh, for sure. So you did that for 10 years. Obviously you met your wife out. Yeah. Did you meet your wife out there or did you meet her in uh, Wisconsin? Or So my wife is uh, an unbelievable lady. Uh, she has to be to go live, <laughs> live that life. But no, uh, she, she basically, I met her, um, I met her at college. I got kind of some of my stuff together and uh, she was a soccer player at a university and uh and but she lived in northern Wisconsin. Uh, her parents oh, were just very breaking much up there, Dave. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? I wonder if I should give you a call back quickly. Okay, you can do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll call. I'll call you back. Just maybe I'll reconnect a bit better. Okay, sounds good. Okay, uh, I was just asking you, kind of curious about how you met your wife. I know that's not yeah. necessarily hunting related, but you were up no, there with a the family, so. Yeah, it's absolutely important. Um, so yeah, I met her in college, and she was a soccer player, um, and and her parents absolutely, uh, you know, had a wonderful mentality uh, to living off the land. They lived up in northern uh, Wisconsin, which is a very wooded area, you know, and and um, they lived a really simple life, you know. And um, I think when I met her, I think that. You know, I realized, you know, because my goal at that point, like I told you, was to to get out to Alaska to a village, and she was down with it. Um, and she's an incredible, incredible woman because she took to the beating in Alaska so well. Um, and one of the things that I'm I'm most proud of is she learned to speak the language of the Athabascan people, um, and would actually help to write a lot of the curriculum for the kids. Uh, you know, to this day, so um, I think we did really well. We were a great combination. You know of she kicked butt. She understood what I was about. I understood what she was about. And, uh, you know, any woman who's willing to, uh, cut up moose, moose quarters, uh, to carry and pack, uh, <laughs> to, uh, support you, you know, to collect berries in the winter. I mean, I'm down with that 100%, you know, I'm down with that mentality. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's so. a good one. And she shot a pretty, well, now I'm getting back to, uh, the way my yeah. culture kind of thinks, but she, she shot a pretty nice moose there on video. Yeah, on, yeah, and, and it was wonderful because, uh, you know, you're talking about hard films and every one of the, I mean, I could go into probably the, the minutia of every single film, but, 
you know, uh, that was an example of just watching the kids and trying to moose hunt and, and, uh, we had seen some really nice moose, you know, some really big ones. And, uh, but you know, it was just about her getting one and, uh, she did it with the kids. We did it as a family. We carried them and packed the kids through the, you know, <laughs> through the bush. And, uh, you know, we eventually got lucky. It was a hard film to make, given that you're trying to keep, uh, you know, a three-year-old and a one-year-old quiet uh, while you're hunting. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for the world. And that's the kind of mentality that she, she has. She was willing to put up with that and deal with it and, um, you know, and smile at the end of the day. So, hey, I can't complain about that. No, I don't think any of us could. <laughs> no, yeah. no, and uh, and I'm a totally blessed man to have her because I mean, uh, totally supportive of all the things that you know I like to do, and and especially when it comes to these films, as you as you know, right? It takes a lot of energy and a lot of time, and and uh, she carries a lot of the weight uh, behind the scenes to make sure that you know you can get out there in the morning or in the evening, you know. So, um, hopefully, yeah. you know, I mean. Great films don't just happen, you know. They gotta have great people behind behind the scenes making things, you know, work. So, yeah, yeah. So, is your film company basically you and your wife, or do you have other people helping you out with that? Uh, it's 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 all me, um, primarily. Um, when I need my wife to help out, uh, I always got friends. You know, you always have to have friends, right, mm-hmm. to help you out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's primarily me editing, filming. Um, doing doing all of it and and uh you know the beauty of of the film company is just that uh like the, like this summer is that you know i was able to get some really good jobs and so it'll open up more films for this next year and i'm really excited about trying to uh involve some of the native stories um uh and, and some of the native point of points of view um this next year you know and bringing them in to uh so what I think is important, because I think that that's uh, that's a part of the outdoor world that needs to be heard. And uh, I'm really excited about this upcoming summer. So, um, and, you know, I know it's still summer now, but, you know, I got yeah. some things to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. It is, it, are those films all going to be available on YouTube or are these like yeah. private companies? Or? Yeah. Um, yeah. So essentially I have... I'll be obviously doing another moose film coming up here in September. We'll be filming that. And yeah. um, I basically um, have been working for, uh, let's just say, uh, 15 years. I'm doing, um, you know, my whole story of how I got to the village, what it meant. Uh, you know what I went through? Uh, the whole comprehensive film. It's uh, going to be 45 minutes. And then me connecting to a whitetail uh, in the end, you know, uh, kind of coming full circle, you know, so I filmed a long time ago when I was first getting into it in college and I'm trying to integrate all of it. So um, I tried to build the most comprehensive white tail film out there, at least try to take a stab at it. Um, and that's going to come out maybe in November here. And I've been working at that for a long time. So it's going to show our move to Alaska and, and our move out of Alaska and, and what it was like to live in the village, um, the transition to where we are now, and then trying to, you know, pursue a, you know, like a 160 inch white tail and, and then, uh, you know what that, what that all took, you know, and my yeah. point of view on that. And I think, uh, hopefully people like it. Well, you they know? will like it. <laughs> they will. <laughs> I know I'm going to like it. I've liked every single one of your films there. It's just yeah. sometimes, you know, with YouTube, it, there's a lot of people that just, I don't know what the key is to be like, quote unquote, successful out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough to get the good film work like your stuff should be all over the place and well 
I always look at it like this, man. I mean, when you find something you're passionate about, you're just going to keep going. You know what I mean? And, and it's like I, I do all the algorithm stuff. And, and uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just glad there's one or two people at the end of the day who go, you know, I like that. It resonated with me. And I'm like, I'm totally cool with that. It doesn't mean that I'm not working hard to make sure that things are happening or I'm elevating it to another level. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, man, one or two people coming up to me and saying they love it, like, I, I, I'm blown away by that, you know, and I appreciate that. And that's what motivates me. So, uh, I don't know what that makes me, but you know, so YouTube can be its thing. I, I'll always try to, you know, put a little money down here and there as I get more, you know, into it. But I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I always appreciate anybody who's willing to watch, you know, um, and I'm jacked by it, you know, and I like watching other people's stuff too. That's the great thing about Instagram and social media is that I get so many people, um, that, you know, shoot me up, uh, shoot me a message on Instagram. I get to like watch their hunts, you know, or like their wife's first hunt or like when I put out a video with my wife, I got, I probably got like 10 people that showed me their wife's first hunt. And I, yeah. I love that stuff, you know, you know, I, it keeps me motivated and, um, I don't know. I so excited about it, you know? Well, yeah, it's <laughs> like, I keep, I sound like a broken record, but it really is. It's good stuff. Like you said, on your website, you have kind of basically local films is basically based. It's passionate, innovative, and inspirational. And really yeah. you're living up to that, man. You really are. And this, well, film- I'm, t- I, I, I'm just trying to be, you know, like, that's the thing that I learned about like the surf films uh, in Hawaii is like all those guys that I met that were living in cars. It was just like, they were that to me, you know, um, mm-hmm. they may have been, you know, 10 years ahead of me, you know, they had the cameras and they, they had the skills, but I was like, man, if I could just keep going, if I could just try to present something that was real and authentic, like, how can you go wrong with that? You know? And, um, and that's what I'm going to still try to keep doing. I think that officially I went into business like last, you know, my first moose film last year in September, and we had a really good year this year. And I'm really excited about, uh, you know, I got, I got some more capital. I had some really great jobs and, and hopefully it's just going to open up more stories, you know, go bigger and, and, uh, utilize the world that I lived in a little bit more. And, and I think, I think people will like it. I think there's, there's things to, to learn out there. Um, you know, and I, I, I always feel like honey needs a little bit of that kind of, um, angle, you know, a little bit, they need that renegade a little bit. That's just kind of being a little more authentic. And one of the things that I really pride myself in is that we do all of our stuff ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I had to learn where to get, you know, catch these moose. I had to learn where to find these wolves. You know, I had to learn to, uh, to hunt these brown bears. I didn't have, and I'm proud of that. You know, everything that you see is, uh, you know, me just planning and getting a couple of buddies to come along and, um, it's, I, I hope it's a lot like what other people, you know, really go through, you know, I don't have a ton of money. Um, I don't necessarily have the best camel, but I'm trying to do the best that I can with what I have, you know, and work hard to achieve that. And I think that people resonate with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's very relatable then, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. so then with your 10 years in Alaska, what was kind of the decision to move back to the lower 48? Yeah, I think um, I think that's what you're going to see in the film. Is I try to articulate that that's going to come out here in November. But I I um, I think that anytime it's kind of twofold um, to learn as much as I had in ten years to give everything you got. You got to extend a piece of your heart into it. Um, the teaching uh, there's no, there's no mistaking that our native uh, 
you know, our, our Native people, they, they, they suffer from some things, you know, and, and teaching that was, was hard. Um, I loved, I loved the community and I loved the kids, um, you know, but there were some things that were really hard. You know, some of the things that individuals were dealing with were, were really hard. Um, some of the alcoholism and some of the, um, you know, losing a lot of the kids along the way was really hard. Um, and because I'm a person to give my heart to, you know, my pursuits uh, in a lot of ways, like I feel like you have to, um, I felt like that, that was started to weigh on me at some point. You know what I mean? I, I, I started, my personality started to change, um, a little bit, you know, and it's kind of like the metaphor that, you know, the tree always reaches towards the light, but, uh, its branches also start to conform to the forest as well. You know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense is that some of the pain I was starting to feel and internalize and, and I couldn't keep myself away from it. Um, because of those situations, it's also a demanding lifestyle. I mean, uh, you know, it's not necessarily articulated, but to put on a, you know, a trapping film to, to, to consistently catch wolves, um, like I was at the end, you know, it took five years to learn all those things, you know, running, um, 60 miles back and forth, you know, every other day, uh, staying halfway in a tent, uh, after work alone yeah. in the dark, you know, it, it demands from you, you know, if you want to really be real and you really want to experience Alaska, you know, it wasn't like I was going and, uh, hanging out with a bunch of buddies, drinking beers, you know, it was me by myself, uh, you know, running a hundred plus traps, um, by myself, you know, and that's a demand to, to hunt moose in a way that I was and to open up territory to territory and to, to learn things, you know, that, that it, it takes from you, you know, and you're responsible, you know, for example, you know, what you don't see in the films is me running my, uh, up, up the river, you know, six hours, um, with my one and a half year old son, you know, um, behind the scenes while I'm filming and holding him, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> and, and the responsibility responsibility that comes with that, you know, the safety, the, uh, for example, you know, I drop my wife off at camp, you know, you set up the camp, you set up the canvas tent, you chop all the wood, you make sure that everything is planned for, and then you leave her at camp with a one and a half year old son. Uh, you know, you're 150 miles away from anybody else. And you mm-hmm. got to make sure that she understands that, you know, you, you are, you have everything figured out because she trusts you, you know, and you're gone. And, uh, for example, I had a buddy come around and he's like, man, there's a, you know, there's a grizzly, uh, an hour away or, uh, 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 you know, a bend away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm out moose hunting, you know, so it's a lot of that stuff, you know, I mean, in a relationship, for example, you know, it's pretty glamorous, uh, when you're watching the film, but in real life, you know, your wife's just trusting you that everything is okay. And you're telling her that I'm going to be out for two hours and we don't have cell service, you know, or anything like that. So there's a lot of that. And, you know, there's a combination, of a lot of that and, and getting my, having children, I felt like, you know, uh, I had given and I'd fought those battles. I had chosen that lifestyle. I had given everything to that. Uh, but those weren't necessarily my children's battles. You know, they mm. didn't necessarily want to choose that lifestyle. Uh, there were certain things that came with that. So I thought, you know, we're going to go and hunt big bucks in, uh, in Iowa. And I bought a house site on scene. I bought it through the internet and yeah. <laughs> dropped a pin. The realtor, when I got here on uh, the lower 48 was like, I really wanted to meet you. I've never met a person who bought a house. I bought a trailer with 30 acres that was wooded. And I said, all right, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to try to hunt big bucks. You know, I didn't know if I had big bucks or not. I didn't even step foot on it, but, um, 
I always felt like, you know, wherever you're at, you just fully give your heart to it. You know what I mean? And, and that's where you're at. And you, you give the people of your community everything you got. And that's what I did for 10 years. And it's so good to see. I just was up in Alaska filming um, two weeks ago. You know, and people remember that. You know, it's a powerful thing, when I think, when you give your heart to something. You know, and uh, I try to do that now here in Iowa just as much as uh, in this small community. I'm here, uh, we're building a house, you know, that's my new like kind of pursuit. I started building it myself. We're living out of the garage. It's about 95 degrees in this garage. I'm sweating it out. I couldn't even answer the <laughs> phone because my hands were so sweaty. Oh, when no. You called me back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but wow. you know, but that's, that's kind of why we moved. And that's kind of what I wanted to say is that, you know, whether you're hunting or you're uh, giving, you know, to your community, you got to give your heart. And I, th- I've, I don't think I've ever been wrong on that, you know, so... I think it's important. Yeah, I think you're. That's a good reminder. There's a lot of convictions uh, happening right now here. <laughs> wow, heavy yeah, conversation, just, but it's good. It's good, I, it's man. Not, I appreciate it. It's not. It's not necessarily everybody's jam uh, to go that way, but that's just the the way that you know. I think you kind of got one life to live, and how are you going to look at hunting, and how are you going to look at your life, and that's kind of. I wanted to be as real and as authentic as possible, um, and I think that's important to me. Now that that doesn't necessarily. That's not how everybody wants to live, and that's just a choice that I made, you know. And and I, I really benefited, you know, like when I was in a native village living that way. You know, I, I really was open to so many different things. You know, uh, uh, the stories go on and on. You know, uh, just for example, I was the worst moose hunter ever. I sucked. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> how did you get I better? Spora- I, yeah, well, I was sporadic. You know, I, I would go to a lake and call for five seconds and nothing would be there and I would, I would move. But, you know, it's one of those things that my native buddies just told me, slow down, you know, slow down, slow down, slow down. Be calm, be calm, you know. And I'm so hyper by nature, but it was just like, calm yourself, you know. And, uh, you know, I realized that a lot of the big bulls that I would get, you know, were, were just by staying in that same lake. They heard you, but you just got to be patient. You know, you got to be calm. You got to let them work their way to you. You know what I mean? The first satellite bulls will always come out, but it's just a matter of, all right, you know, all right, well, the dominant one isn't necessarily, he, he's not dumb, you know, he's smart. And, um, you know, I saw that, we, hopefully you saw that in the last film. We, we took five days to get a good mature bull, you know, and I think, you know, I've always tried to get a bull that was a big mature one and they take time, but that was just a kind of a metaphor for life is sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit to, you know, you got to slow down. You got to be patient. Not everything's going to happen in a day, you know, and I, yeah. that's the big thing that I learned, you know, so. Yeah. So I guess on a tactical kind of standpoint, mm-hmm. um, so you're like five days. Did you find that was kind of like the key time is to stay put in a spot five days or is it? More yeah. Like so three? there's a lot of ways to look at moose hunting. Uh, certainly I, I you know, it, Here's here's my advice when people ask because there's a lot of things that people can say and maybe I'm wrong and I always go out on a limb here when when I say this but this is my experience. Uh, there's a lot of people who do float trips. You know, uh, one of the things that's so important to me is just like with whitetails is what what sign are you given at that present moment? You know, and mm. sign was so dependent upon the weather. For example, Elisa, from what I learned over those ten years, you know, uh, is that. There was different stages for whitetails, just like there are for moose, just like there is for whitetails. Around here, uh, for whitetails, October, that, early, that late stages of October, a lot of those big bucks start presenting themselves a little bit more in the light because they're starting to show their dominance, you know? So mm-hmm. early on in September, that was our season, uh, was September 5th or something like that. I had a lot of luck early on. It was warmer, but if I could get colder weather, a lot of those bigger bulls you could rattle or rake, you know, with the pink flamingo 
early on because they were curious about who was in their area. They weren't necessarily tearing down the woods, but they, they would be curious. But that so much of that depended upon the weather, you know. Um, they would come into calls. They wouldn't necessarily tear the woods down, but they would be, but, but they would be very much um, uh, curious. So for people who are in float trips, it so depends upon when, where you are in the year, you know, in that September month. And I, I think Canada, right, that you go a little bit more. I know in the Yukon, it seems like you go a little bit more in October too. Yeah, like my... True. Yeah, I'm doing, uh, well, I'm in Manitoba yeah. here, but it's, yeah, our season's quite long. Uh, I guess there's an archery season that's earlier, but then you're dealing with like yeah. the heat and the bugs and all that, yeah. like the black yeah. flies, mosquitoes. Yeah. So I'm, I, I go in the general season, but I primarily okay. bow hunt, although I'm going with my dad and my brother, they're rifle guys mm -hmm. and we, we've never hunted yep. moose together. So this is going to be fun. Fantastic. Know, they they hunt it out. Yeah. So then our, I think it, I, yep. Yeah, our uh, trip is from September 21st to October 6th, somewhere in there. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, like, typically, I would say that that's, that's what I would experience that, that, but by the time you got to that port, I that part of the season, I was always, uh, I mean, uh, typically what I would run into is you get colder weather. Colder weather is an amazing thing for moose, uh, at least in my opinion. I always felt like if I could wake up in the morning and my boots were frozen, uh, and I had a hard time getting them on. That's a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. But you you would get, you'd experience a couple things, you know, at least from my experience. You would get moose that were cowed up, very much like whitetails as you get into the rut. You know, sometimes you get to that point where it's like, where are the big bucks? Uh, that doesn't mean they're not around. They're just, you know, uh, locked down with a, with a doe. Very, a lot of similarities. Uh, but, it, you know, October later, as you would get into, you know, with white tails, you get later into November, eventually they break off. And sometimes you got another chance at, at some of those big bucks roaming. I, I feel like in October, uh, boy, you would get some of those moose that would start to break away and they would tear down the woods. You know, it was unbelievable what mm -hmm. you would experience, you know. And I always look at Jim Shockey. I was always like, man, how were they getting so many of these moose so close? I always felt like he had to been hunting a little bit later. I don't know if that's true. But um, yeah. I always felt like, at least from my experience, a lot of that later season, man, you would get moose that would just, I mean, I would wake up in the morning, sometimes at 5, 530 or whatever, and uh, it was incredible what you'd hear out there. I mean, two, two full moose fighting, it was just uh, an incredible, uh, <laughs> an incredible sound, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think we all dream of that. Oh, that. it's, it's, it's hard to, I always relate, uh, the, you know, I guess my best analogy is turkey hunting was a lot like what moose hunting was. I always love it. It's why I continue to still do it is because mm -hmm. it's such an interactive thing. And I encourage anybody to do it. It can be so interactive. You get to hear them in the morning. Um, in a lot of cases, it just depends on how you're hunting, but maybe not so much in the mountain regions, but it, it's just, it's an incredible, it's dynamic. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's such a powerful, big animal. And, you know, I've been so lucky to experience so many different hunts, uh, over that 10 years and, and, and hunt with a bunch of other, you know, guys, it's just it's something that I don't ever want to not do, you know? Yeah. Well, you've had amazing adventures, uh, and I'm sure the films are just a small portion of what you've experienced as well. It, yeah. In a lot of ways they are, um, you know, there's so much more knowledge and so many uh, that you gather, you know, that you wish you could articulate, but, um, yeah, it's an incredible hunt. And, um, uh, I don't, you know, I don't always know how to describe it always perfectly, but it, it's just great. Yeah. So I was watching, uh, your film, their last chance, Ogla, a Kodiak Brown yeah. bear. Yep. So yeah. I found yeah, that, absolutely. uh, very 
interesting hunt because I've been watching a lot of <laughs> Billy Billy Moles. Okay, I'm sure you've seen that okay. guy on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big, I guess he guides out in Alaska. And what his mm-hmm. technique is basically sitting by the ocean on the flats there or somewhat it looks flat yeah. and then glassing up to the hillsides yeah. and then making an approach. It looked like you guys mm-hmm. were on a floodplain of some sort close to the ocean there up on the hills and it, where you ended up getting your bear looked just nasty, like wet and boggy <laughs> and all that. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I have a special place for Kodiak in my heart. Uh, like I, I honestly, it's, uh, it, it's my top, uh, Kodiak is plenty good for me. It challenges me. It gives me everything that I want as a hunter. Um, it scares me. It's terrifying. Uh, it's almost incredibly, the most re- incredibly rewarding. Um, but like I said, everything that I've ever done, I did completely by myself. Um, when I would draw a tag, dude, I didn't know where we were going. Um, the first time I hunted in Kodiak was completely different than the second time um, where we found some success. Um, it's the most dynamic landscape. Uh, it's got incredibly steep mountains. Um, and it also has, like like what you said, some flats too. Um, I And I, I'm going to go back to this. I was the worst brown bear hunter ever on the face of the earth. Uh, very sporadic <laughs> yeah. in the beginning. I think I moved too much. Uh, you know, um, you know, I made a lot of mistakes early on. I had a really good chance. The first film, uh, to get one, it was 325 yards. I was trying to make a film. I felt like it was, it was above me. Honestly, I thought it was a rock at first. I was looking into the sun. It was, it was crossing over a hill. I, I, it saw me way before I saw it. I just didn't think it was an ethical shot, so I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I was totally fine with that uh, because at the end of the day, I survived <laughs> Kodiak. Uh, yeah. We had 80, <laughs> yeah. mi- 80 mile an hour winds. Uh, our tent was almost tore down. I took some of my native buddies kind of as like, you know, I was really thankful for what they were doing for me. Uh, I took them down there, man. I mean... It, the learning curve was incredible. I thought the bears would be low down along the ocean at that particular time on my first hunt. They absolutely weren't. They were as high as mountain goats. Um, wow. Yeah, I got my butt kicked. I, I didn't know anything about because we had grizzlies in the interior. I would hunt them a lot differently. Um, but brown bears were uh, totally a different thing. Kodiak was a totally different thing. And, um, you know, everybody's got their thing. Uh, knowing what I, the interior was so much more gentle it was so much more, uh, it, you know, if it was going to be 45, it would probably be 45 for five days, right? The weather wouldn't move in as fast. Kodiak was like what I, it was immensely like, because for one example, I didn't know at our first hunt that uh, I wondered why all of the boats were moving in or the ships were moving into the harbors. I didn't realize that that meant that storms were coming, you know, um, mm. you know, because they don't want to be out in the big water, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, in the second hunt, it, it, uh, incredible. You know, I, the, the potholes were three foot deep. I don't even know why the landscape was like that. It was five miles. I think I ended up going five miles to get that bear. Um, we had seen it from a hilltop. We posted up. We didn't want to spread any scent. Um, you know, we were. it was a hard hunt just because of the amount of time that you spend in that area. Uh, but we finally found that there was some bears way out across the flats, and uh, we decided in the rainstorm to do that move. We thought it would negate a little bit of the scent because we didn't want to spread out a big trail. Um, and when we got over that side, we found out, you know, uh, the, the, there, was a, there was more bears than the one that I got. But look, I had been through, I think, 
17 or 18 days at that point between the two trips. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, me just being a normal dude, I was like, no way am I passing this up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but demanding, man. I mean, I, you know, and there's probably people that are in better shape than me. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but to me, it was like, I got back that bear hide when it was wrapped up in the rain. I, you know, I don't know if it was a hundred plus pounds, probably easily was. I, you know, you almost like you want to collapse. Plus you're trying to make the film. So you put the backpack down, you walk more, you get your buddies. You got to have some special buddies to want to make some of those, uh, things happen, you know? Well, so. you're walking double in some instances there. Oh God, get- dude. I mean, you're walking way ahead or behind, you know, you're like, dude, I don't want to pull out the camera, but you do, you know? So mm. I'm proud of that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of effort that goes <laughs> into that. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was, if no one's seen that, they need to go see that because it's, you, you mentioned that in the, the film as well. Like, Hey, we didn't want to spread our scent. Uh, we're, we're yeah. going to make a play. We got to go do it. And yeah, and it was you, just, it was just one of those moments where you have to make a decision and Alaska always pushes you to places that you're most uncomfortable with. Like, um, that's the one thing about whitetail hunting. I, I, I'm sort of love, uh, is that, you know, I can get out of my pickup and maybe what, what's my longest, you know, 500 yards, maybe it would be my longest. It's nothing like Alaska seems like every, every animal that I had to pursue asked something of me, you know, right away. It, it asked me to endure. It asked me then to, it, the animal presented itself, but then it asked me to walk, you know, three miles, four miles, you know, um, which, uh, every animal that I've ever got, I, I appreciate that, you know, so much that it just, it, it's an incredible challenge, you know, and I think that's why people love it so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a spring hunt, right? That brown bear hunt. Yeah. So the first one I went on was in fall. Second one I went on in spring. Um, and, uh, the fishing game there does a pretty good job of, and not every unit's the same. Um, I got the second time I got very lucky, uh, to get, I think a little bit more of a, I mean, I, I had a chance at harvesting two bears, but I didn't, I only saw two bears the first time in fall, but a lot of times what they, what they have is they have a, uh, situation where the bears are kind of, they're moving off of the fish and they're moving up into high ground. Not all bears on Kodiak necessarily, um, hibernate. A lot of the bigger boars don't hibernate, but, but they're in a transition zone so they can. And I think that that's a way of kind of creating fair chase, right? But it's really hard as a hunter just to say, well, I'm going to hunt the low ground or I'm going to hunt the high ground. It's hard to tell. And when you get there, you kind of got to make those determinations of where you need to be. Um, mm. And I just thought that Kodiak was like, dude, there's brown bears everywhere. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, they're not as easy as I thought, certainly. Um, I put a lot of days in there. And, 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 you know, maybe guides know a lot more of the tricks, but just as a general guy going out there, um, <laughs> it was a demanding hunt for sure because you have to, you have to adapt to what the scenario uh, or the, the situation is giving you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty cool. You pulled out the predator call on that bear that you ended up getting. Well, he was, I think, originally uh, 300 yards. I got him into 200 yards with that, and he covered short a short distance pretty quick. I, I was actually shocked at how well that worked. Yeah. Um, it, of course, for the film, you know, it, you know, this is this is being pretty nitpicky. But if you know, I think if I would have blown it a couple more times, I think you would have you would have came in. But when you put that much time and effort into something. Uh, you're happy with the way it works out when it works out. You know, that was kind of my mentality. It was like, this is my, this is probably the last time maybe I'll ever do it. You know, that was my mentality. And 
was totally happy to see 210 yards, and I thought that I made a good clean ethical shot, and and that was most important to me, you know, and and uh, I was happy with the way it worked out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. What did you end up doing with that bear? Did you end up getting a rug done, or did you do anything? I with did, the hide? I did. Yep, I, I have the skull and the rug, and um, you know, I got some you know really cool pictures and some really great stories and. And, and every time that I've the second the second hunt that I was on when I actually harvested that bear, I uh, I tried to bring some of my buddies that meant a lot to me along on that hunt as well. And um, you know, so it just makes like like kind of what we started saying is it's to have to have friends uh, or to have individuals that get to experience something new for the first time. And mm-hmm. if you, if you can help them out to do that and be a part of that, I think it just makes the hunt so much more special. I think that's the thing that I remember the most. You know, to be honest, is like we all got to sit there and like this is an incredible animal all together because we had never seen it before, you know? And it's, uh, yeah. I always almost relate that to like as close as I'm ever going to get to going to the moon. You know, when you see a brown bear up front, you yeah. know, the first moose you see or the first caribou or it's just, it's incredible, you know, or the first big whitetail, you know, whatever it is that you pursue, you know, first black bear, you know, mm-hmm. I remember that too. You know, it was just like, holy cow, this is, this is crazy, you know? So Yeah. Did you do a lot of black bear hunting out in Alaska? I did. Yeah, I I uh I think I got my I got 3 a year the uh on average uh every year that I was there. Um uh my first one, I didn't release this film. It was my first film that I ever made. I traded a commercial a guy uh to work on a commercial fishing boat uh to to hunt over his bait and uh I ended up shooting it was a late winter in Alaska cuz we had some really crazy winter, so I got this uh it was a 72 red bear. Um, which mm-hmm. is, which is rare, which is rare for Alaska. Yeah. I think in Canada, you guys, at least I know like when I got out of the Yukon, when I would drive through, I drove to Alaska, uh, uh, eight or nine times. So I got a chance to go through Canada a lot. Yeah. Uh, I was always amazed by, I think it was in Alberta, some of the bear populations. Oh, but, they have a uh, really high bear population. Which I never there. understood. I don't, I don't. So why does it, you know, every time I would camp in Alberta, I was always like, man, I got to camp here because the, the, the bear population was incredible. I was always wondering what, how they could withstand such a population because it was amazing to me. Yeah. So what did you say that you said the size of the bear you ended up getting? It was a seven foot two uh, bear. So, so much of Alaska was more by the, the, the length of the bear, not by the weight. You know, yeah. So, um, did you square the bear? Is that what you mean by the like? Was yeah, it, was that's that a, a total. That's a total dimension. So that's a really big, mature yeah. bear. A seven foot um, two is yeah. That's kind of my niche there. Bear hunting like yeah. a guy here <laughs> for bears in Manitoba. So yeah, seven foot two. That's a you know like the, you probably it's pr- probably the same in Alaska. A seven foot bear is like a real trophy size bear. A- absolutely. Uh, and the skull, I don't know if it's Boone and Crockett or whatever it was, it measured out to be that. So I was lucky, uh, fully mature. All of its teeth were worn down. Um, I haven't released it, but my buddies were like, man, you got to go with a bow. But my, uh, but <laughs> my buddy had, I brought a gun down there. I thought, you know, I'd never harvested a bear before. And, uh, I just got very lucky. Um, uh, but my buddy's like, no, you have to use a bear. I'm left-handed. I shoot left-handed. And he was like, no, he was a right-handed shooter and he had a huge draw length the, the, the bear came in and I had his bow, but, and I had only shot it like two times. And he's like, it'd be so much cooler if you do that. Um, and, uh, his draw length was all the way back to my ear <laughs> and I'm shooting right-handed. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you, I couldn't even believe it. Right. Cause I never even shot a bear before at all. I've never even hardly seen any in real life. 
I tried yeah. doing it once when I was in Wisconsin, or maybe when I was 15, and I have this 7.2 in front of me over a bear bait barrel. Um, there was very little foliage, um, and I didn't know how big it was, but I'm shooting right-handed. The, the draw length is behind my ear, and I'm like, <laughs> you, it, was just, it was just incredible. Um, as any yeah. bear hunter knows, when that one bear that you, you know, whether it's on camera, I didn't have any camera uh, pictures, but... You know, when a good animal, a mature animal comes in, you can't help be excited about it, but uh, pulled that bow back. It was, uh, someday I'll probably release this film. It was my first one, so it wasn't perfectly made. But, um, yeah, I made a great shot. Uh, uh, shaky, because I barely got the bow all the way back, but harvested it. It was just a, just a wonderful introduction to Alaska, you know. Um, but then a lot of different bear hunting. Then I got into bear baiting after that in spring. Nobody was really doing that in the village, uh, but it was a great chance to eat bear. I, I love it. Uh, I have no problem with it, you know, and uh, I just think it's just a different aspect of hunting that I really appreciated. You know, it got me out in spring, which I really loved, um, you know, and it was kind of my substitute for turkey hunting at that time, you know. So, mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. Uh, the community, did they use the bear fat there? Did you use the bear fat? Yeah. Like, did you yeah, render it down? Um, yeah. So, that, so that's the thing about the native village. It was always about harvesting all of the aspects, you know. So when it came to the moose, just always making sure. Because uh, that, that's the thing. You got to think about it a long time ago. Fat was such an important part of, of a diet. And, you know, when you, when you live in Alaska, the seasons are always just so perfectly set up for you. But the one thing that kind of lacks is, is fat. You know, fish are pretty lean. Um, caribou are lean, moose are pretty lean. So fat is so important, um, that, you know, when you harvest a bear, you know, like the fat that goes into the harvest, however you make your meat or however you render it, uh, you know, uh, the, the goose, for example, I learned to, um, so you basically cut a goose open and you, you half dry it over uh, cottonwood. So I would smoke all of my animals, you know, I learned how to do all that with cottonwood. And when I built a smokehouse and, and uh, would smoke all of all of them, and and uh, but it was about rendering the fat, you know, utilizing that the stomach fat, whether it was grinding it into the meat, depending on how you're doing it. But yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, from goose uh, goose to moose to uh, yeah. <laughs> to bear, you know, is <laughs> yeah. utilizing that fat, and and that was a important part, you know. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. My wife actually makes. Um a product, a skincare product out of the bear fat because I have access to so much bear fat with guiding and outfitting and and all that. And it's been very like useful. Like, yeah, one of my youngest son got poison ivy the other day going through Mm -hmm. the woods there. And I'm not saying it uh, cleared it up within a day because it didn't, but it definitely helped soothe, soothe that. So there's some healing properties in that, that bear fat. No. And I think, I think that's so important. And I think, I think that's one of the things that, that I loved about it, just like what you're talking about. It was a native village. Every turn and every corner, the more that I learned, the more that I realized that an animal really does provide so many different, um, properties, like you said, you know, that, that helps sustain us. And, um, I really, you know, I don't know everything about every single animal's properties, but as you learn more, just like what you said there, um, you can't help be excited, you know, about that. Like that's, that's amazing, you know, and I, I'm excited about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So you said you have like a moose hunt plan for this year. Is that, uh, I guess, yep. when's that taking place? That's beginning of September, I would think. Yeah. So, um, I guess, yeah. For, so what's coming up is obviously the whitetail season here. I'm excited about dropping, um, my first, 
I'm going to, I'm going to call it a documentary. It just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whitetail film. Uh, I've always wanted to do that because it was kind of connecting back to something that I started 20 years ago with a little camera from Walmart. It was like one of the first things I ever bought from my, uh, you know, um, with the, the first job I had. Um, so to come full circle to release that film, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think that it's going to be dynamic. I'm going to release that, but yeah, we'll get out moose hunting. Um, and we're going to do some goose hunting and there's some whitetail hunting in there. Um, but I think next summer, um, I've say I, what I basically did this year with building my house is I took some film jobs, uh, some more corporate stuff and just mm-hmm. kind of banked the money. And, uh, we're going to have a really, really exciting year next year. Like, uh, man, I mean, I think we're going to have some fly fishing in there, uh, on the Yukon. We're going to talk a little, investigate where the salmon are going off the Yukon. And we're going to yeah. kind of incite, uh, like what, you know, what the native point of view is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and we're going to try to get out to Kodiak doing some deer hunting. And uh, now we got turkey hunting coming up, you know. Um, so we got a whole bunch of fun stuff coming up. Yeah, no kidding. That's going to be an exciting year for you guys the next year and a half or, you know, and beyond for sure. Some yeah. incred- incredible places, right, that you get a film in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, it's just trying to, to go to some of the places that I've been and then just trying to extract the stories, you know, in more meaningful ways every single time we do it. And I think that mm-hmm. that's... That's what I'm trying to get at. And, you know, we'll see how it works out. Yeah, that's right. So have you done any elk hunting uh, down in the lower 48th there? Or is that something you plan to do? So people ask me a lot about the, uh, you know, hunting in the West. And I I guess here's my story is that I've been trying to apply for for elk on Kodiak. Um, Yeah. I kind of, I kind of, after giving 10 years uh, of my life to Alaska, it's hard for me to see the world in any other way than Alaska because it's just, mm-hmm. it's so dynamic. I, the West to me is unquestionably amazing. Um, it's historic. Um, there's some amazing athletes um, and there's some great game to chase. It's just that Alaska for me is just, it took so much to learn all of the places that, and, and so much dedication and so much failure <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's hard for me to leave that. You know, I think John Muir talked about that, you know, you can leave Alaska, but, it, but it doesn't want you to leave it. You know what I mean? And it stays with inside of you. And I definitely think that that to me, I, I have a hard time ever leaving it because if, if I want harder hunts, I can find that. If I want more of a challenge, I can find that. If I want more dynamics, I can find that. Um, you know, and, and one of the, the places that I love too, uh, speaking of Canada, the Yukon really, to me, I, I love the Yukon. I honestly, I camped out there quite a bit. Um, and I met a gentleman that I would go fishing with. Uh, he was an older, uh, uh, older individual. He was in the 70s, 75, maybe on Atlan Lake. Um, but it's just like between the Yukon and Canada uh, or the Yukon in, and, and Alaska, uh, there's just so many individuals who have amazing stories that have lived there, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to like, leave that, you know, and, and maybe that's a flaw. Maybe I'm not going to be as dynamic as some other people, but, uh, it calls me back. Um, I feel most comfortable there. Um, my friends are there, uh, you know, and that's kind of what, you know, and I hope to share that with my family someday. So it doesn't mean I won't get there and I, I won't pursue elk. It's just that I'm, I've been drawing for one on Kodiak cause I just kind of wanted to, I don't know, experience every animal that exists in Alaska. And so far, I guess I haven't had my fill, you know? 
Well, there's, I guess there's mountain <laughs> goats there too, right? And sheep and all that yeah, too. That. There is. Yeah. And I, I wish in some ways, um, so I made decisions. Uh, a lot of my buddies were sheep hunters. I made decisions to pursue brown bears with the money that I had versus sheep uh, because two are, that was just my choice. I wanted to do the brown bear thing. Um, so I ended up going twice and for the, you know, I guess living in Alaska, you got your tag for fairly cheap, but you know, I wouldn't average a hunt between, you know, for brown bears, for example, it was, it was five to 7,000 even living in the state, you know, just because the logistics of traveling are expensive, you know, renting the plane is expensive, you know, sometimes you need specialty gear or a tent, um, Mm -hmm. then you got to travel back and, and, uh, you know, I made choices uh, to do that. Um, some days I wish I would have done the sheep and goat, but I was really happy with pursuing brown bears. That was just something that I really wanted to do, and I'm glad I did, you know? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> it's a brown bear. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, I kind of, I wish, though, I would have gotten a goat tag on my first hunt because uh, the mountain goats were easier to get on Kodiak than the brown bears that time that I went out there. You know, mm-hmm. and I learned that, like, the middle of Kodiak, for example, has a much more mountainous range, but the, but the uh, opportunity um, to hunt, um, to hunt uh, uh, at least for residents, or, I mean, you can be a non-resident too, but uh, is readily available for, for goats. But the one specialty thing that I think that I might pursue that a lot of people don't know, if you look at the record books for Caribou, uh, Kodiak has a very, and I've, I've been working on this, so I don't want to give away all my secrets. Yeah, no, no, they're no. Not re- yeah. They're not really mine, but uh, there's a, uh, a lucrative caribou herd that it roams on, on, uh, on Kodiak that I would really love to make a film out of because I haven't seen one done yet. Um, and they, they are, I, I happened to run across one on my second hunt, a group of caribou. Uh, they were enormous, um, mm-hmm. but they're very nomadic and they're hard to like, you could totally get dropped off. I know the region. I saw some, um, but to just land there and to know where they're at and to, to get one, uh, is a lot harder said than done, but that would be, that would be a great film that I have been kind of entertaining for some time because, yeah, that- uh, it's, it's little known, and it would be a really... I'm not just going to go out and have luck right away. I can tell you that right now. So it might be a y- several years of yeah. uh, pursuit, but I think it'd be pretty cool. Well, I think so, too, because I can't recall seeing anything like that anywhere. I didn't even realize there were caribou on Kodiak. No, and, mo- and most people don't, and, that, and that's kind of what I'm saying about like why I'm not going out west is because I have some yeah. of these niche places that I've, that I've found that I think... You know, uh, for example, um, I'm a terrible fly fisherman right now, uh, but I want to learn to fly fish and then articulate that to the Yukon. That'll be one of my films that'll come up for next summer and uh, try to pursue, you know, like uh, she fish is a she is a fish that only exists really in two places in the world. Uh, I don't feel like that film has been made yet. You know what I mean? And, and, mm-hmm. and adding kind of the native uh, perspective inside of that, I think that would be, you know, the world needs to see a little bit of that, you know, but it took quite a few years to find those fish. Um, and a lot of like going to places where people don't necessarily want to readily give up that information, you know? So I think there's some cool things that the world could see yet, you know? Oh, I think, uh, there's going to be a lot of cool things coming from your film company. Like this is, <laughs> it's, it's really yeah. is exciting. Like bad. Uh, I think it's going to catch on here and eventually, you know, like I think there's probably going to be a shift, right? Like there's always, trends and shifts inside the hunting yeah. community and that and the way I that think, people want to experience it 
a little bit differently, right? Yeah, and I think that that's what I'm aiming for. Now, whether I'm right or wrong on that, hey, whatever. But uh, it's sure as heck fun finding places like, um, you know, um, every once in a while, you know, you meet somebody and they say, hey, you know, um, we have this. You know, for example, um, uh, and you may know about this more than I do, but uh, uh, when I went to school down in Juneau at the university there, there was a, a blue-phased uh, black bear. I had no idea no, I- that that existed. You know, and yeah. somebody shared a picture with me uh, with a blue-faced black bear on a uh, trampoline, of all things. Well, it's like, <laughs> you know, and that leads to, yeah. like, how in the world? You know, you'd never even heard about this animal before, and then, you know, it, it's sort of like the unicorn animal. And there's so many of those stories in Alaska that I really like. And, yeah. uh, you know. And, well, for example, I, I have a whitetail right now. Uh, it's got a 12-inch spread, but it's got, like, it looks like a mule deer, uh, that I'm pursuing. And then once in a while you get lucky with those kinds of things, you know, and I try to, with a film company, try to do the best I can to share that story. Cause I think they're fun. Well, yeah, you're taking, you're taking something that's difficult already, like hunting and you're adding a uh, film, like a camera yeah. into the, <laughs> the equation and, yeah. <laughs> like, and doing a good job, you know, like really cinematic artistic um, flair to the whole thing instead of just a point and shoot kind of mm-hmm. aspect. So it's, it's mm-hmm. taken it to the next level. Uh, yeah, I guess just to kind of finish off maybe on your whitetail kind of stuff, what are you hunting like private land mostly or, or is it a lot of public land or well, is it a mixture? Yeah. So when I came back to Iowa, one of the things that I was, um, and this is kind of the, uh, I don't want to digress too much, but this is kind of the nature of the film is like, I was exhausted coming back from Alaska, you know, um, uh, I had hunted 10 moose and, you know, three black bears a year and, fully trapped, uh, you know, wolves every single year and Martin and lynx and, uh, hunted caribou in the winter and, 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 and ducks and, and, and fished all the salmon and, and ran all the nets and did all that stuff, you know, and I, I was pretty depleted. Uh, and really, honestly, I always was kind of joking with my buddies that I'm going to retire from hunting. You know I mean? I had, I had in 10 years, you know, basically I was kind of related to the, the guys I would hang out with when they were surfing. You, you, you reach the pinnacle of hunting at, kind of a young age, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I had great mentors. It's like, how do you like, how, what do you do with that at, at 34 years old? You know, I had hunted with bow, I had hunted with gun. I, you know, I, I had a really amazing start. Um, but, but things morph, you know, moose morph into different things. And I, I really wanted to get some land. So I got 30 acres and I started to work on, you know, things that, uh, like forest management, you know, uh, and started doing things like that. So hinge cutting trees and, and, and what the metaphor really was and what my, my film is about is that, you know, when you're, when you're tired, uh, sometimes what you have to do is you have to be realistic or you're broken, sort of like the canopy of the trees. You have to open up space inside of you and, and start to really look at yourself and plant evergreens, you know, things that last. Um, mm-hmm. And so what I did is I opened up the, the forest and I, and I filmed this too, but opened up the forest, you know, and uh, let light shine inside, you know, and, and planted evergreens in those spaces. And, and what I'm saying is that Iowa was a place for rest, for a place to start teaching my son, you know, my daughter, and for a chance for my, my, my wife to hunt, you know, again, uh, more regularly. Because a lot of those, those trips, they took a lot from you, you know what I mean? They were adventures more than they were just going out in the back 40. But, um, you know, hunting started to morph for me, and, and that's what uh, Iowa is about, you know, so, so I have my own private piece, 
but uh, the one thing that I absolutely love about Iowa is that um, Alaska, I always felt like was stepping back into time with the native people, but in a lot of ways, uh, where I live, I have some of the nicest people on earth as well. Some of the nicest farmers who, you know, uh, they'll do anything for you. Uh, they're the kinds of people who will bring a pie over to your house when it's not your birthday, who uh, got a little <laughs> extra yeah. asparagus. And, uh, yeah. but, but they share their hunting, uh, you know, and I'm willing to make sure to cut some wood for them or whatever I can do, mend fences, you know. And that's mm-hmm. the way I think it should be. And that's, uh, that's what the kind of the mentality, the kind of things that I want, the mentality that I want my son and my daughter to have is that, you know, the native people were gracious enough to invite me into their culture. The people here in Iowa, completely different, but a lot of similarities. They were nice enough to invite me in, you know, and accept me, uh, you know, but, but that really what that meant is that, you know, I have, you know, a, f- a few more acres here and there, you know, to hunt and, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so, so it really, what that means is, you know, I got some game cameras out. I've been changing, kind of working on manipulating the environment a little bit and uh, just having a blast with my son. Here's why we're going to do this. Um, here's what we're thinking. You know, the best, you know, I've been planting 500 trees a year uh, wow. the last three years. Um, but, you know, it's about, you know, hopefully I develop a, a bedding area so that, you know, my son can appreciate some of the things, you know, I think about him you know, he's only five years old right now. Or, I mean, sorry, he's eight years old. My daughter's five. But, you know, hopefully that bedding area establishes itself so he can have, you know, kind of the cycle continues so that he has some of those things that I had when I was young, when I was 12, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's just the way I look at it, you know. Um, certainly I can't control the, the whitetails coming in, but um, I can see some of the benefits already in year two, you know, year three. Some of the maples are starting to grow up. I've got a bigger stem count. And, and we just enjoy it. We have fires while we're cutting wood and, you know, the, the old thing is in the native culture, we always had a fire uh, that went along with everything. You always start fire uh, no matter what. And uh, we have fires down here. We try to re- maintain some of that native culture. And I brought some of that back. You know, yeah. I spent some time off of the river more than I most people probably would just because to me, even though the river here that we, we live off of is smaller, I still try to get out the canoe, you know, and try to blend Alaska and Iowa together. So uh, mm-hmm. but that's kind of my scenario. Yeah, we're in bluff territory. So. Um, it's a little bit different hunting, and um, you'll see it in the film. I was the worst hunter year one, always hunting field edges, and I had to learn about thermals and stuff like that. And so, you know, so, um, yeah. yeah the fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. fun, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it is fun, absolutely. Challenging and fun and exciting when it works out. Because, yeah, if you're the worst at it, there's only one place to go. You go <laughs> up, right. you know, you're going to get better. So. That's the way I look at it, only up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, man, you've lived uh, a couple lifetimes in 10 years by the sounds of it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I just, and I think, you know, as we're wrapping it up, it's just encourage people to live their dreams, man. Have, have a passion and, um, you know, um, don't always, don't, you don't always have to listen. And look, I'm on Instagram as much as anybody else, but, you know, carve your own way, you know, and, um, you know, uh, when it comes to outdoors, you know, if you're into like looking at trees while you're sitting in a deer stand and you don't shoot any deer, well, then no, don't apologize for that, you know, or, or mm-hmm. you just want to be out there while the sun sets, you know, or you want to take a, a little guy out hunting, you know, whatever your angle is, just uh, get outside, enjoy it. You know, I, I think uh, I talk about uh, kind of the last thing to wrap it up is attention restoration theory is this idea that, you know, people need um, the environment to help calm them down, you know, because we're living in a world of constant stimulation. So whatever you mm-hmm. take away from your experience outdoors, just like get after it and do it, follow it with your heart and don't apologize for it. And, 
you know, live your best life through it, you know, whatever that means. But uh, I think it's important that everybody, you know, just like uh, in New York City, right? I mean, uh, uh, Central Park, it's a green space. You know, somebody had the wherewithal to understand how important that was a long time ago. I think it's important that we, that we honor that, you know, and, and we, we put some of that in our lives, you know, and make time for it. Yep. 100%. I couldn't say it any better. So, so with that, I thank you for coming on to the podcast there, Dave. It's been over well an hour and a half. So okay. <laughs> you're probably getting pretty warm in that garage there. Oh, I'm sweating it out right now. I can tell you that right now. I mean, we're yeah. the hottest day of the year. And uh, yeah, we don't have, we've made it so far without air conditioning. So uh, today yeah. though, I'm, yeah, yeah. But we'll have that house built sooner and later. And then we can move on to some more films, which I'm excited yeah. about. Perfect. Um, I can't wait to see the films. And mm-hmm. after the season wraps up sometime uh, before Christmas or after Christmas or whenever, mm-hmm. if you want to come on, I'd love to talk to you again about just the adventures and the filmmaking process and yeah. all that stuff again like you, i know it's yeah just we can probably... absolutely we can absolutely get more specific on some of those things and i would love to do that absolutely yeah this is a great introductory uh, uh episode to kind of who dave reimer is and locals films <laughs> so where can everyone yeah, find right. you before we say goodbye where can everyone find you yeah so uh locals film on instagram uh certainly that's uh i use that i pretty much update that once a week I'm always trying to add something to somebody's life. You know, I'm not trying to sell anything for sure. Um, although there is time and a place to buy a sweatshirt for me. Just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you, you, YouTube, though, uh, you know, that's where you can see some of the films. And like I said, I think I think we got some really cool stuff coming up. And uh, actually, I can guarantee that. So, yep, for sure. Perfect. Well, Dave, take care mm-hmm. and thanks for being on. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Anytime.